Johnny and Darren are like, dude, we should buy a house together. Do you want to play the role of Darren? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to play roles. You got a lot of role playing going on today, buddy, from the conversations earlier that we had. This is your Niagara Real Estate Podcast, hosted by Patrick Burke and Sean DeLotte, two top-tier realtors who happen to be from two different brokerages, from two different real estate teams, both focused on one thing, the Niagara real estate market. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Patrick Burke here with the B Team at McGar Realty in Niagara. Welcome to another episode of Your Niagara Real Estate Podcast. I'm joined by my buddy and sidekick, John Delot with the Davidson Delot Real Estate Team of Remax Niagara. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm fantastic. You got the uh, the quintessential trademarked only Sean Delot does it code on. I love that thing. If it fit me, I'd board off you. You know what? I've been doing a lot of videos lately, mm-hmm. and so I've been bringing jackets everywhere. Yeah, you got to bring a costume and change. so when I was home today for lunch, I only had the good old school blue bomber. I got some. I like it. Thank you. And it's a perfect you've... day to wear it. It's like 28 degrees and 90% humidity. So. Perfect. So, yeah. No, it's hiding It's hiding the pit stains. I love yeah, it. There we go. <laughs> today, we're going to get to it. Yeah. Because we don't have time to waste. This it... is going to be triple A gold-plated. Emmy, Academy, SAG, the whole, all the awards winning podcast episode. We're, we, and we've often kicked around stuff about the legalities with regards to real estate. And we always do what? We always like do a big caveat that we actually aren't sure. 100%. But what's different about today? Well, wow. today's very, very exciting because we have a guest. Today's a day that we can be sure. And we have one of the legends of real estate law mm-hmm. in the Niagara region. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put in, see right there, I'm going to start like an orchestral build. Keep going. And then it's going to start. Yeah, yeah. Miss Lena Scandalary. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is actually very exciting. It is. Because this is a a podcast for agents. Can learn a lot from this today because I'm going to ask some nice questions. We're going to learn a lot today that's correct and and as well as well as our good old general public uh listeners as well because buyers sellers sellers, people who are thinking about doing real estate people who have already done real estate are going to learn lots of wonderful things Mm -hmm. so let's fire it up yeah so before we start i will do my best but keeping in mind this isn't to be solicited as legal advice per se yes (laughs) it is just some general legal information yeah Fantastic. And I will uh, abide by that disclaimer. That is definitely, we're not talking about advice. We're talking about some situations, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. You can shed some light on some understand. These are understandings. Perfect. Yeah. There we go. Well, and, and any, ask any realtor, generally we all deal with the same five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 situations on a daily, weekly basis, like repeat ad nauseum. Right. And like, whether it's estate sales or deposits or deals, not closing or or what the hell does this clause mean all that kind of stuff right so yeah nothing is none of this is going to be legal advice or can be misconstrued it's just like your take on stuff what we're seeing on the boots on the ground and uh and then and then maybe a few little chuckles along the way chuckles along the way and maybe even you know what uh lana some maybe frustrations that you're seeing Mm -hmm. because i'm sure your frustrations are probably a lot of my frustrations but again you deal with a whole gamut of other frustrations as well can Um, you before we get into this can you give it do do you want to just sort of your your Quick little backstory, or, or you're you're at Sullivan Mahoney. How do you pronounce Mahoney? Did and I do Mahoney. it right? Sorry, Mahoney. Mahoney. See, not Mahoney. Um, and uh, and Heard and something already. Yeah, just there a bit go. of background on yourself, just so um, for those that may not know you, which possibly there are people that don't. <laughs> I'm sure there's many. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so thanks for having me, gentlemen. Um, I've done work with obviously both of, both of you in the past as well as present. Um, I am an equity partner with Sullivan Mahoney. Uh, I've been practicing law and specifically real estate law since 2011. Wow, that's that's long. Mm-hmm. So that's that's 12 years, if I do yeah. my math correctly. Do you remember the 2011 market? That was a market of like. Not a lot happening. No, it was oh, slow. Was, it was, yeah. it was, yeah. it was, it was like, nice. like a gentle wave. <laughs> it was good time to get your feet wet. Hey, I'm going to do a second showing maybe a week Tuesday. No problem. <laughs> yeah. You're good. Was, right? Yeah, those were the days. Yeah. So 
you know what? I think if we start from the very beginning of the process, perhaps, because I know there's always stuff, closing date and all that stuff, but um, one thing that, that we've talked about and everybody's talking about is the affordability piece and how people can get into buying a home. And what we're dealing with now, in fact, I've just met with a new client the other day whose parents are backstopping her and helping her to, to move forward. Um, and that really only became such a hot button issue when the classic sort of first time home went from 190 grand to 540, right? Mm-hmm. And and so kids come in, or I shouldn't say kids, people go into the bank, you know, it's three and a half, four times income. So they make 70 grand plus their down payment, they qualify for really nothing um, mm-hmm. if they're on their own. So then mom and mom and dad show up. And and I, I know there's people in Toronto that do it more where um, friends are buying properties together. Together, yeah. And we get that question from people from time to time um, or mom or dad or grandparents or something are coming in, but they're not, you know, 50, 50 or anything like that. Now I'm hearing, you know, and some of that's to do with the bank, but where it's, where it's 90, 90%, 10% or 95, five or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Clearly I have no, no idea how it's structured, <laughs> but because I know, I know what I know. And when I don't know something, I, I, you know, push them to go to the people that do. Mm-hmm. So what do you like, what? How much of a change have you seen that in that in the last three, four years with all of a sudden it's not the traditional person's buying a house, maybe parent guarantors, but, you know, friends buying together, that sort of thing. So that's interesting because back, say, in 2011, uh, banks may, yeah, it, it did exist then. Parents would personal guarantee mortgages. They didn't actually co-sign. There's a difference between the two. Right. Banks used to allow them to not go on title and just guarantee the mortgage. Now, I haven't seen that happen in a very long time. Um, when a parent has to help qualify their child for a mortgage purposes, they have to go on title as well as on the mortgage. Okay, so that affects them from a future bar- a bargaining power, borrowing power, should I say. Right. Um, the other issue is depends on how much money is being either gifted or loaned to the child which can affect the mortgage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when the parent is on title to the property, it also, they're 100% um, indebted to the bank in t- from a liability standpoint. Mm-hmm. So if, if the kid defaults on the mortgage, even though realistically the parent's not paying anything monthly from the get-go, maybe kid loses their job, now the parent is paying, or now, now sorry, the bank is going to look to the parents to actually pony up the mortgage payment, mm-hmm. where maybe they didn't factor that in. Or the, or mom and dad want, are, are go up north and think, you know what, maybe, maybe it's time your your work's slower. Maybe we should look at getting a cottage. And they go to the bank and they say, well, you already own this other property. 100%. They're not aware of that, right? And then, then you're talking about breaking your mortgage contract, right? Because if mm-hmm. you're in a five-year fixed mortgage and after year one or year two, parent wants their money back, it creates mm. a problem because now you're paying penalties to the bank. Maybe mm. the child still doesn't qualify on their own. There's a family dispute that might happen. Mm. It's all sorts of issues when when parents, unfortunately, have to be involved. Mm. I didn't... Do, so you're saying that if if I wanted, if my kid wanted to go buy a place, mm-hmm. I can't just guarantor and stand on the sidelines. I'm knee-deep in it. Not if you are required for them to actually obtain financing. To get finance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. you are on the deed to that house, right? And you are on on the registered mortgage on wow. title. Did you know that? Yep, hundred percent. Great. One thousand. I know because I know I have to get parent signatures all the time for that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was every time. I thought there was varying degrees of even when you talk about two thousand eleven. I still had to get parents to sign the offers and stuff like that. Like anytime I've gotten a co-signer, I've always had to have parents on title. So yeah, if it's a co-signer, that's usually they are on title, right? You Mm -hmm. can't be, you can't guarantee or sorry, you can't be on a mortgage without being on title and vice versa. And that's an, I get that question every week. Be like, well, no, I'm only, I'm only co-signing the mortgage. Well, no, you're an owner. Like Mm -hmm. you have to be on title to Mm -hmm. the property. If you're going to be on the mortgage, it's not one or the other. So quick question for you in regards to that then though, and the reason you're asking too is for everyone to understand. So what the young buyer needs to know with having their parents on title and what the parents need to know, well, they're on the hook for everything. Mm -hmm. If their kid's not paying the mortgage, you're going to have to pony up Mm -hmm. or you're selling the house ASAP. So to brunt the damage. Yes. Um, But how is it mostly structured? From my understanding though, most parents co-signing 
are going on for like a 1%. So that's typically what we want to do. And the reason being is we want to minimize potential capital gains for the parents, mm -hmm. as well as if they're really on there for um, their child to qualify for mortgage purposes, but they really have no intentions of, you know, contributing to any monthly costs. We want to sort of shelter them into a trustee beneficial owner situation. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason being is, is when we take the parents off title, let's say one year, two years, five years from, from now, when we remove them from the mortgage as well, or discharge them, um, they're going to have to report that with their accountant. So there could be potential tax consequences. So we do what we can on our end to try to, uh, mitigate those. And we work hand in hand with the accountants and to make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, all, all the potential issues at that time because the income tax act changes all the time right. but what we're aware of at the time uh we hope to shelter as much of of that burden um in the future mm. so um sometimes we set up structures 99 to the child one percent to the parents and that's sort of a twofold situation because oftentimes these children are first home buyers so with first home buyers uh it's there's a rebate for land transfer tax if we were to put the parents on as 50-50 with the children, they only get 50%, right. right? Where if we can maximize that to a 99%, then they're saving more money from their closing costs. Gotcha. What about the friends? You know, Johnny and Darren are like, dude, we should buy a house together. Do you want to play the role of Darren? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to play roles. You got a lot of role playing going on today, buddy, from the conversations earlier that we had. But no, it's a this, good way to understand. Okay, this, so so Johnny and Darren want to go buy uh, a two bedroom condo at 81 Scott Street. Okay, and it, it's uh, it's got condo fees. It's got all the other accoutrement, mm -hmm. and uh, and they flip a coin over the parking space, and off they go. So, but they're both gainfully employed. What are we looking at? <laughs> So you got to you got to structure the ownership in such a way that, like you said, with with the ninety nine one thing, yeah. that looking down the road, if A B C happens, so how can they be typically title is either held as joint tenants mm -hmm. with right of survivorship, and what that means in layman terms, Pat and uh, Sean, you each own fifty percent jointly. Sean, you die, your fifty percent interest vests in your buddy Pat over here, yes. not to your respective estate. I'm assuming that's not how you want your assets to flow no if pat and i bought an investment property together i would like my 50 percent to go to my children if okay. i ever passed away well so so guess what we're not joint tenants my friend let's talk yeah. about it at least so okay. the other option is tenants in common and you can do each to a 50 percent interest held as tenants in common with mm -hmm. uh with your partner or it can be in varying percentages so you let's say you're only putting 40 percent of the down payment and maybe right. we do 40 percent and 60 percent to you However, then you need to have an agreement in the background how you're dealing with the Costs. and the increase yeah. in equity, yeah. right? Yeah. So it really depends. So you guys would draw that up then, I would assume, right? Yeah, yeah. We lawyers can assist. Yeah, I've seen it. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like often or? Not a lot because yeah. oftentimes it's not so much down in this area with the friend situation. Yeah. In those situations, you're dealing with businesses, right? So then right. you would have a company with a shareholder agreement, right. which sets out all, all of you know, those issues. But from a real estate residential standpoint, we haven't seen an influx of what's happening in Toronto trickle yeah. down here as much. I've done it a few it's times. Coming. It's coming. I know. Yeah. Um, so but you, you need to be place. very careful because now you, you jointly get a mortgage together. One, one friend loses yeah. their job. The bank doesn't care where that money's coming no. from. You're both equally responsible. But if yeah. you don't pay your share, that's putting my credit at jeopardy. Right. Right. So there's all sorts of potential issues. It's it's not favorable to to set up property that way. You can like, avoid it. Yeah. Avoid it. Yeah. And and then and then the other the, the other major factor that I've always thought about is what happens if one guy needs to sell and the other guy doesn't want to sell. And that that's, creates an issue. That's the mm -hmm. huge thing. Yeah. Right? So and oftentimes you do like a cohabitation agreement, setting everything out in the event of a dispute. Perhaps you include measures where, where okay, if, if one needs to sell, well, you give the other one written notice of X amount of days. We both get um, an, a real estate agent to give us an appraised value and I buy you out for X amount over a certain number of days. But we could put all that yeah. out on paper. It doesn't mean it's going to play out that so way. So as far as like realistically and, and 
looking at the ideal scenario, if if you're faced with not no other option, like it's not an ideal route to go, basically mm-hmm. is what we're saying. Um, but if it's if and I guess you've got to have a serious track record with the person, you know, like you grew up next door to each other, you've known each other since 1983, yeah, and and you work together at a place or whatever like that. But still, it still comes with its own baggage. Well, yeah, and you're running the risk too of if if you all live there and maybe maybe it's too. Um, buddies that own it well now they get married and now it becomes a matrimonial right. home you could right. be opening up all sorts of issues with you respect to show. separation well, I, divorce I a, like yeah i have a situation right now too where a daughter and mom bought it and now it's kind of gone on the fritz and so mm. now they're mm. i've heard of that the courts kind of right now yeah. to, probably a partition of sale of land well because but it's only the one percent situation but still it's a challenge because mm-hmm. of that one percent it's still a part ownership so and two, it depends what that one percent was for. Because remember, as I said, sometimes it's structured as ninety nine one, so you can maximize the um, rebate. But that's not really what it looks like on paper. Perhaps it's a fifty fifty. Right. So that's another risk or situation that we often have to deal with. So, bottom line is be cautious with who you're yeah. buying the house with. You know, and and no matter what, you could be buying it with your best friend. Things happen. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, good legal counsel. Yeah, so that so that's sort of let, let's let's go to the next stage. So is that is that fair? I don't know. I just thought it might be. It I might like make that sense. wasn't really a stage. That's well, yeah. it might make sense to talk about the chronologicalness of the process, right? So, like getting set up to buy something, you're you're lending. Who's gonna be, don't look at me? That was a reasonable. That was a yeah. reasonable yeah. approach. Uh, okay, so now we're at the uh, making an offer part. Okay, I know you got. He called me. He's got like forty five questions for you. So do you have something that would fit into that? Guys, you can't afford 45. Well, that's, that's, that, that's no. And, you and said that's, 7 p.m. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think really, you know, people understand the buying and selling of the homes. Yeah. I, I think we do have a limited period of time here. Of course. So I think the thing I'd like to really get into, because you have it on your wonderful list here, Pat, is closing costs. Mm. It's huge, huge thing where does anyone know what closing costs are, especially agents? Mm-hmm. Very few do. Yep. Yeah. So when you're saying closing costs, are you talking about all of the costs that can arise or are you talking about legal fees? Because well, okay. I'm talking about things that come up in closing, whether you're, you know, whether you're selling mm-hmm. and closing costs for buyers are different. So yes. if we could go through the closing costs for sellers, in a nutshell, mm-hmm. that would be great because I think just sellers, just sellers for yeah. now, and then okay. we'll do buyers. Okay. Um, so, in terms of uh, a closing of a sale property, um, obviously the lawyer is the last piece of the puzzle, and we're the ones that that actually do the conveyancing portion and, and transfer title uh, to the new owner. Um, depending on what is on title, that dictates what some of your closing costs are going to be. So no two deals are the same. Mm-hmm. So they could have a notice of security interest or some type of lodgement registered on title, right? With one of those door-to-door salesmen selling a water oh, purification yeah. system. The $27,000 uh, furnace. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the old yeah. $27,000 furnace uh, and AC and whatnot yeah. that they target all the elderly people. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say they might have a mortgage or maybe they have two mortgages. Um, there could be an assignment of rents and it was a rental property that needs to be discharged. Each of those attract their own discharge fee that the government imposes and then whatever the actual cost is from that institution, if it's a financial institution or a private loan. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things need to come off. There is adjustments for property taxes. So depending, we adjust um, on a day basis. So the buyer um, pays, uh, takes the closing day and the rest of the year, the seller pays up until the day before closing. Okay, so if we're closing, what day is today? May 15th? These are timeless. If (laughs) (laughs) If we're closing today and you're the seller, you owe property taxes up till yesterday. Okay, so up until May 14th, and you, my friend, are the buyer, you owe as of today. So we adjust based on basically a a yearly basis. So we adjust as of May 15th, and then you would get a credit if you overpaid. So let's say you paid the April 28th installment, the seller would get a credit because realistically they've paid up until the end of June. So buyer, as part of their down payment, owes seller for their share of the overpayment. 
Okay. So it it all depends what time of year you're closing and how close you're closing to an interim installment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes people pay their taxes monthly though. So then that changes it. We always adjust based on the quarterly installments, regardless of how you choose to pay your individual property taxes. Question. Yes. So typical adjustments is definitely the taxes. Mm Mm-hmm. Common expenses. Rents as well. 100%. And then, yes, common expenses would be for condos, Condo. of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's overall, there's besides those kind of things, the odd rando adjustment kind of thing. But that's kind of. And then, the and then legal fees. Yeah. And then we pay the real estate commission. So it depends if. Uh, plus HST. Plus HST, and that is a big issue that real estate agents fail, especially newer agents, they fail to tell their clients yeah, that it's, a, bit of it's a, a service and HST is applicable yeah. to that. You know how many times I go through a commission invoice yeah. and it's like, what? They never told My me that. agent yeah. never told me that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I learned that when I had my young clients go mm. to close and I never thought of it really in all honesty. And that's, yeah. I'm not defending it. It should be explained. But they're like, oh, geez, Sean, there was HST on that, the commissions. I'm like, mm. boop, mental note, from now on, every person knows about the HST, which it was fine. But when people are dollars and cents and using every kind of penny they have mm. to put this together, mm-hmm. that HST can be well, $4,000 $4, that they thought that they were going to have that now they don't have. So that new fridge they wanted to buy, well, I think part of it, that now. I think part of it is that you, you go back pre-DocuSign, we were at the dining room table with people signing every listing doc and you're going through stuff. And now a lot of times it's, hey, here's a summary of what I've just sent you. Read through, let me know any questions. And then what do you get three minutes later? Boom, DocuSign completed. It's in your inbox. When they never read it. Right. Oh, which and is a so problem. then the realtor has to put into their process that here's a summary of what is on this document, including the HSTs applicable to the to the commission, hundred percent. So, question for you guys: Do Ooh, you tables turn? Am I allowed to ask questions? Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. So, how do you approach um, commission discussion with HST to your clients? Like when you're at a listing appointment and you know you're doing your piece, are you like very easy, very easy, guys? Here we go. Here's the commission, and just so you know. There is HST on that commission. And you can thank our government for that. And if you want to complain about the HST, please call your <laughs> member of parliament and they can f- answer any of your questions. But this is deemed a service and services do mm-hmm. get HST charged. So that's that. And then, you know, it is what it is. They accept mm-hmm. it. Once- so I changed my approach over the course of 12 years because when the first few years of my practice, I would always get this dumbfounded look from clients, the sellers, when I'm showing them, okay, well, this is how much we owe for commission with the HST and nobody knew. And then they want to call their agent while they're in the boardroom with me. And I'm like, so I changed the way I present it to my clients in in terms of how I explain it. So I'll be like, this is the HST that's payable to the listing brokerage and then they pay the cooperating brokerage and then the government charges HST. So we pay it to them they in turn pay it to the government. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of understand it. Um, You try to do it in as much layman terms as possible so that they understand that it's a service and is triggered. But so many realtors fail to explain Mm -hmm. to them that HST, especially on large Oh, large it's, transactions. It's, I I was responsible on myself back in the day. Yeah. I did not do it very well, mm-hmm. uh, especially to when the I was selling real estate when we just had the GST. Ooh, you're oh, old. I'm old. <laughs> so then the GST went to the HST, and then they, yeah, that was mm-hmm. some that was a big uptick. Okay, so so that's sellers. But the good news is too. The other thing I throw in, I go, but guys, there's you know residential resale home. No HST on the transaction of your home. So guys, then it kind of buffers it a little more and they're like, uh, it is what it is. The government always getting our hands in our pockets. Yes. Kind of turn it into a sandwich with like the bad stuff in the middle and you close up strong. <laughs> For sure. so, so then with a buyer, the biggest change that we've had and you go back to uh, educating expectations with a client is, and I got caught out with this, I don't know how many years ago, but when deposits went from 500 bucks or a thousand mm-hmm. to 20 or 25 mm-hmm. is somebody, we had a buyer did a deal. And then they said, call me the next day. said, I, I kind of wish I would have known I need to have 20 grand sitting here that I, to get you a bank draft the next day. Right. But, and that but was like, why a, wouldn't they, when you have to have roughly 5% minimum? Well, down. no, this is back when it was, when, when deposits all of a sudden just jumped, jumped, they didn't okay. gradually go up. Right. No. So now and they're starting to go down and they need to stay up. Are you Agreed. seeing them go down? Yeah. Oh yeah. Huh? 
Mm-hmm. So, well, so in the last the m- like three months or so, mm-hmm. they started to kind of go back to these what, small amounts. I've seen a f- I've seen a few tens. Ten thousand, but I because people are able to get conditions in again, so yeah. agents feel a little. Hey, you know what? We don't need to put a big deposit down because we got the conditions, yeah. and if right. you remove the con, I agree. Right. Okay. So I, buyer closing costs. So I show up at the table and I say, I want to buy that house at one two three John Street. So, yes, deposits are a huge one mm-hmm. as far as money you have to have available. But uh, walk us through the other stuff that a buyer should know. Well, one is land transfer tax. Mm-hmm. Um, so we briefly touched on that, but land transfer tax is another lovely provincial tax. You that, can thank uh, your provincial government. Yeah, so it's a marginal tax rate, and it's uh, different percentages that increase depending on the purchase price. So up to your first 55000 it's 0.5%. percent mm-hmm. And then anything above fifty-five thousand and one cent to two hundred fifty thousand is taxed at one percent, and then so on. It keeps going up to anything mm. above two million purchase price. Anything above that amount is two point five percent. So there is a wonderful thing on the internet called uh, land, land transfer, transfer tax, tax calculator. calculator. I yeah. use it all the time. <laughs> yep, my me clients too. before because <laughs> yeah. you didn't have that before, yeah. and no. then I'd be like, okay, yeah, the five percent, the one percent, yeah, and then but then they changed it. Remember exactly. Yeah. So then I'm like, I'm lost. So now they have this calculator. I figured out my clients. What are my land transfer tax going to be? Keeping in mind, though, Toronto has a municipal um, tax on top of the provincial one. So we don't have that. They almost brought it in down here a few years back. And that's double. So let's say your land transfer tax is $20,000. If you were buying the house in St. Catharines, that same house would be roughly $40,000. And that's just a, you need to have that in your bank account, ready to go to the lawyer on closing. It's not a deferred tax. Mm -hmm. It is part of your closing costs because the lawyer uh, in turn cuts a check to the um, Minister of Finance and pays the land transfer tax directly on closing. Mm -hmm. Like I just cut checks. We funded the COVID. Mm -hmm. With the increase yeah, have in you ever price. done? Have you ever done the math on number of homes sold times average sale nope. price times land Don't transfer know. tax? It's huge. You, yeah. you look at Toronto, double dipping. They're yeah. pulling yeah. in yeah, my, substantial. My brother had to move to amounts. Toronto and he found out that the hard way. Oh, well, Terry and I both bought properties in Toronto. We got double dipped. Mm-hmm. You guys bought it in joint tenants or? Ninety nine one or uh, oh sorry. To be honest, so, I just showed up and signed the papers. So you got uh, your land transfer tax. Deposit. Those those are two biggies. Yeah. So your land transfer tax, you do get if you're a first home buyer, right. you get up to uh, four thousand dollars. Now there's a lot of rules around this though that people, whether it's the banks, mortgage brokers, or real estate agents, don't understand that there's rules mm-hmm. when you're a first home buyer. Do you believe it? If you were married, like so, let's say me and you, PB, were married. Yeah. Okay. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. So let's say that we got married and you owned a home. Yeah. I automatically lose my first home buyer's exemption. Okay. Regardless of me ever being entitled to a house. Okay. Many people don't understand that. Yeah. You would have had to sold that sell that house prior to us uh, getting married for mm-hmm. me to then qualify as a first home buyer. Okay. Okay. So that's one issue. Another issue that I keep seeing lately, and it's a lot of, I think, banks that are misinforming because land transfer, or sorry, a first home buyer is is viewed differently from a lending perspective than it is from a land transfer tax perspective. So I had one recently where it's like, well, no, my, my bank said that I was a first home buyer. I'm like, have you ever owned a home anywhere in the world? Yeah, about 10 or 12 years ago. I'm like, then you're not a first home buyer. Right. I'm like, maybe from a lending perspective, they'll qualify you as right. though you're a first home buyer, but from a land transfer tax perspective, you're not. So unfortunately, you need to go back and get me an additional $2,000 because we had already run figures because she told my assistant she was a first home buyer. Right. So what about a couple that that are, they're not married? So so uh, Steve owns his condo mm-hmm. and he starts dating Ashley. Yep, classic Steve and Ashley story. And she's never owned, mm-hmm. so now they're now they're dating but yep. living together. And then they decide to go out and sell that, and then they're going to go buy a place on Junkin. Yep. So she would qualify as long as they're not married, right? And as long as she didn't own a home anywhere in the world. This right. isn't a Ontario world. thing or a Canadian thing. If your parents put you on title to a cottage property, mm-hmm. or maybe they put an investment property in your name because they wanted to save that land transfer tax sure. five years ago and really didn't tell you and just had you sign the documents, right. you were no longer a first home buyer. So hopefully right. your parents gave you that four thousand dollars when they added you to title back five years That's ago. Good. 
So deposits, land transfer tax. There's adjustments on the buyer's end as well. There's adjustments as we for the property taxes. The property taxes. Um, CMHC or insured mortgages. Okay, yes. this is a big one. When you um, only put 5% down, you're considered high ratio. Okay. If you don't put, sorry, if you don't put up to 20% right. down, you're considered high ratio. Um, and then you, it has to be an insured mortgage. The PST that is applicable on that insure, on that CMHC fee, the default insurance, mm -hmm. that is deducted from the advance that comes to the lawyer. So let's say your CMHC fee um, is $20,000. Okay. The PST that's applicable on that will get it's tacked onto it, but then deducted from what they give us. That forms part of your down payment. So there could be an extra $1,500, $2,000 that you owe as part of your closing costs because your bank is deducting the money before they give it to the lawyer. Mm. There's also appraisal costs that get deducted. Those aren't usually drastic, but, you know, call it three, four, five hundred dollars $500. Mm -hmm. um, the banks will deduct those. There's 1% um, lender fees on a lot of um, B mortgages, mm -hmm. like B deals. Um, and so that gets deducted before it reaches the lawyer. So all of those get tacked on to your closing costs, right? Mm -hmm. And the basically form part of your down payment. So if you're a newer buyer right now, you're scared because <laughs> you just listen to this and you went, holy crap, it's worse than I thought. But mm -hmm. the reality is when you're informed and you know what, what you've got to do, it actually becomes easier because the, like you mentioned a few times, the worst time to find out about this stuff is when it's whatever days before closing, I, I walked into your, I walk in your office, you put a piece of paper in front of me and says, here's the, here's the, uh, the summary. Mm -hmm. And I say, holy crap, what's all that on page two? Mm -hmm. Question for you. Yes. And this, this is just for poops and giggles over here. That's not an expression. Uh, well, shits and giggles. Oh yeah. Pardon me. Yeah. I see you, you tidied it up. There you go. So that's two podcasts in a row with salty language. But how yeah. how many times, and it more your assistant get the call? Hey, I just reviewed my adjustments. Like, what's this? What's that? Like, mm -hmm. because there we just discussed. There is a lot of things that yeah. people are not aware of, you know. And I always prepare. Like, I mean, anytime I've ever closed a deal, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. At the end of the day, unfortunately, you're buying a house. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. These are the costs, but so many people aren't aware. And I get even myself, Sean, uh, th there must be something wrong. Like uh, I went and saw the lawyer, but I had to come up with this extra money. And they're asking me like, you know, is that right? Like, you know, is the, and I'm like, guys, it's right. Welcome. It happens all the time. 100%. Mostly with, with the first home buyers that just don't understand or haven't dealt with it. But then oftentimes we do from like, highly high level clients that you, you would not, you wouldn't expect that, but sometimes mm. that does happen where it's well, like, okay. The high level clients, they like to know they, they, the reason there's a reason they're exactly. high level. <laughs> they like to watch where their money's going. Yes. And if there's any unnecessary money that's going to the wrong place, mm -hmm. they want to make sure they catch it. But this is a very common thing. So, so for those listening, you know, we're making you aware of things prior, but no matter what, there's a lot of things we didn't probably cover that could pop up on your statement of adjustments, you know, and don't hesitate though. Ask questions. Yeah. Like yes. if you're working with a realtor. I want to clarify one thing. Yeah. Statement it's of adjustments is not to be, is different from basically the statement of funds or the funds summary. Cause the statement of adjustments is basically exchanged bet between the buyer and the seller's lawyer. And on the only things that are noted on that is the purchase price deposit, the adjustment for property taxes, common okay. fees, rents, gotcha. those types of things. And then the balance due. The, what statement we do is, a, yeah, statement of funds is an internal document and every law firm does it different or every lawyer does it different. And that's where we calculate based on, you know, we factor in land transfer tax, government registration costs, all the utility responses. There's software fees for all of our platforms that we use that we have to pay out of pocket that are on the rise. Um, there is <laughs> what writs of execution. There's all sorts of things that form our part. Title searches, title yeah. searches, everything. So we can't quote a lot of those title things. Title insurance is another closing title, cost. Title insurance it's, and is title it roughly one percent based on purchase price, yeah. and the, and that also keeps increasing as well, right? right? So I mean, you can't when houses used to be two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, your title insurance is basically three hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore, right? So a house of seven hundred fifty grand. 
ballpark what would you be looking at for title, for title insurance well yeah. it depends the type of property like we have to fill let's out say, a, let's say a good old-fashioned detached 60 by 120 lot if it's like depends if it's on septic well oh, really? all no, those like things north too. End. north end north end oh yeah you're putting yeah, yeah. say like loud and clear like so just about a thousand bucks okay. yeah, yeah. But see that's then, more than i but thought then there's like a premium when it's above a certain amount as well right. Or if there's a private mortgage in, involved, right. then there then there's quite a few hundred extra yeah. dollars are tacked onto that. So I guess the, the moral of the story then is is there is no fixed closing cost whether you're buying or selling. There's the stuff that you can expect to pay, yes. and then there's all kinds of secondary stuff that may or may not be there. So it's a, the sooner you can get that info nailed down, the better. Recognizing yeah. there will be some. So, so I kind of prepare people. If you're selling, your major cost is going to be the commissions, mm -hmm. and then yes, you have your closing kind of other costs, which could you know with your lawyer fees, Penalty everything of your mortgage. So I roughly say three grand mm -hmm. plus the commissions, mm -hmm. and give or take. Believe me, there's going to be other stuff, and like then that? buyers. Do you agree with that number? <laughs> I, I'm always I'm always hesitant. It's like going through a house. People say, "How much are you going to charge cost to do that electrical?" I was like, "I'm always hesitant to give like specific numbers." Oh, I throw well, them out. There. I like it. It's, yeah. The 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 thing with that is when people call and ask for quotes without without us seeing an agreement of purchase and sale, without us diving into the title search, because right. if it's a part of a lot, we have to do adjoining land searches. You get a title search that now just costs fifteen hundred dollars. Right with whatever's registered on title, mm -hmm. so to to just say that a title search is going to be a couple hundred dollars, that's not always the case. And then two, we don't know the mortgage requirements, so sometimes there's debt. There's a lot of debt consolidation right now, um, so we're the lawyer is having to pay off, you know, someone's car loan, this, their that, income the tax arrears, their credit cards, in order to just sell and buy. There's a series of seven or ten debts that have to be paid. Mm. Yeah. Right. And a lot of those then could trigger, you know, interest penalties. You know what? This is a great segue. Uh, do you have something queued up? No, I, I think that was fantastic. That so, you can't put, you when they ask an agent or even their lawyer, what is my closing cost going to be? You're not going to know until the day you sign the final papers. Usually, usually it's a couple days before, provided mm -hmm. the bank gets us, you know, and the other lawyer gets us the, because the seller's lawyer right. is the one that prepares the statement of adjustments for tax purposes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we can only give ballpark until we actually see what we're dealing with. The other thing too is then sometimes there's people want quotes but don't tell you, oh, but there's six tenants or, oh, it's a new build right. and you have to review this 75-page builder agreement, right. right? All of those things are over and above, like to review yeah. builder agreements, status certificates. Mm -hmm. Usually there's additional costs that come with that. Yeah, and then for buyers, the big expense is the land transfer tax mm -hmm. and then your adjustments and the lawyer fees and stuff like that. And I, So I um, used to always give a percentage of kind of, but now I feel that percentage is growing. Yes. Like it used to be always roughly two and a half percent or something like that. Real more expensive now. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey, Sean. Hey, Pat. Have you ever had a listing that just wasn't selling? Haven't we all? You betcha, bud. Well, I'm here to tell you about an exciting new product. Tell me more. Well, buckle up. Listen to this. Instead of changing anything, marketing or otherwise, now you can simply cancel and relist. Go on. That's right. With Cancel and Relist, you needn't worry about those pesky other things that the house really needs. Cancel and Relist? Cancel, Cancel and relist. relist. Don't take our word for it. Listen to what this agent says. I tried it. See? So how does Cancel and Relist work? Well, let's say you have a listing that just isn't getting the activity you want. Today, it's priced at $799,900. With Cancel and Relist, well, that same property could be $799,800 by this time tomorrow. Wow, Pat, that's amazing. Agreed, it really is. So, with a little bit of paperwork and a few clicks of a mouse, you too can see this work for yourself. Hey, Sean, next time you have a listing that just isn't doing so hot, what are you going to do? Well, Pat, I'm probably going to go sit down with the sellers to review our strategy, possibly look at making some changes to the interior, refresh our... Wrong! You need to simply cancel and relist. Now you're getting it, kiddo. Put cancel and relist to work for you today. And back to the show. And real estate's gotten a lot more complicated in the last five years. Like Amen almost that. every deal has issues yeah. and, mm. and they're not, you know, it's not it's like so much. I don't know. <laughs> and I guess really, I guess you look back to when our market 
went electric, which was 16, really. Yep, yep. I agree um, the, the, the whole way, every everybody's expectations, the timeline, the, the speed of things, I guess there's just more people playing on the soccer field at that point, right? Because all of a sudden... That are not necessarily yeah. educated enough right. to be or haven't taken the time to yeah. educate themselves. Cause so many people, as I know you guys are aware, mm. got into real estate for all the wrong reasons yeah. when it was booming. Well, now they're having to actually learn how to do a deal. And that uh, whole fake or to learn how to sell a house. The, or whole, that. Fake, the whole fake it till you make it thing drives me nuts because it's like, is really, is that the time to, to figure it out is with your client's contract? <laughs> but okay, so this is a good segue into. Pause for music, and is uh is when you have a closing date that might have, like you said, um, all these variables that could it could make it more complicated. One like question buying we and selling on the same day well, on a Friday a, of a that, long weekend. That's a beauty. Um, <laughs> is is then the clients um, will say they'll start asking you when are we going to get our keys, and it's always like. I somewhere between nine and five, late morning and the end Come of the on. day. Who have you ever given the keys to yeah, at nine a.m. in the morning? That's one of my. Er- I have actually closed what's quite your a few deals closing? at nine a.m. Well, really? before, so we, I think we used to be able to close deals from eight thirty because the Terraview, like our t- system, yeah. is only between certain hours. That's why after five o'clock we can't yeah. register anything. So if you are going to close anything after that, it's done in escrow. I just um, like saying that it's closing an escrow. Sound. You don't even know what that means, yeah, no, do you? <laughs> but I see it on Bravo on the TV shows. Um, so <laughs> you know, like this morning, I had a deal close at 11 a.m. My wow. my buyers are already in there, and, and, and the just, realtor was like, "Oh my god, like this is the earliest yeah. I've seen." So if you have but proficient Lana, to, to to help you out here mm-hmm. and, and make everyone understand. It's not necessarily you, the lawyer, that's holding up the closing we of the no deal. We have no control. Right. That's right. Typically, it's the banks. Correct. Funds need to be transferred on closing, and the banks are transferring lots of funds on those days mm-hmm. because they're closing multiple deals. Mm-hmm. And typically, the holdup is usually, I'm going to say there's other hiccups that happen, but 90% of the time, the holdup is the banks. Or multiple dominoes, yeah. right? This has to close for that to close to that. To for close sure. Up. I'm talking the kind of just the standard yes. thing. Standard, to, yes. The holdup. So, and again, I I just had a client reach out, Sean, like our movers are going to, we got the truck and this and that. Like, when do you think we're going to get the keys? Yeah. I don't even, I prepare them between two and five. Yeah. Between two and five. Mm. And they, anything qu- earlier is a bonus. Yep. Mm. And then, yeah. but then it's, it's like, but if you want to talk to your mortgage broker, and you see what they can do and sort it all out. Some people are in a position where the banks can actually do it a little quicker because of their financial situations and where Correct. they're coming from. But most of the time I prepare people, guys, you guys are late afternoon. I'll never forget when you closed my house last time. Uh-huh. Uh, I was driving around like cars loaded up. It's like 2.30 in the afternoon. I leave Northwood Drive. I drive. I'm like, oh man. Come on, then I'm driving around, driving around. I swear to God, I think you called me at like 10 to 5, and you're like, Sean, the deal's finally closed. Come and get your keys. I'm like, well, great. Driving around the office, happened to be right here. And you were like, Sean, but you got to get here before 5 because we're going to close, right? I would have stayed open you. you, I know you would have. But the beautiful thing is now, which I think is makes complete sense. Lockboxes are left. Lockboxes are never coming back to the law firms. No, that that, it made no sense. Honestly, why didn't we think of this well Well, before COVID? It took a pandemic to make us all realize this. But anyways, I think it's beautiful. It It only makes so much sense. The buyer, oh hey, and then when you go, the deal's closed, we'll give you the code and you can actually go get the keys at your new house that you're gonna open the door and go into. 100%. So that's huge. And that's another thing that I always get from clients is they call us to say, hey, is it closed? Is it closed? And I'll say to them, in in my 20 years, very, very, very rarely do I hear from the lawyer when it's closed because I'm not their client. Mm -hmm. They're going to tell you. Mm -hmm. So you're going to hear from the lawyer before I'm going to hear from the lawyer. So one recommendation I can send out to all realtors in the province of Ontario, specifically the Niagara region. they're all listening. Tell 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 the um, buyers, don't call the lawyer 18 times on the closing day. That must be something. Yeah. And, And every day is a closing day. It's like we call as soon as that deal's closed, the assistant or the lawyer is reaching out to you, right? Because it's just like one, like it's the next step. 
but a lot of things have to happen on our end. Right. It's not like the bank gives us money and the deal closes in five minutes. No, no, no. You're also relying on other lawyers to other give law you firms, different banks. We got to go get checks certified. There's running involved. There's exchanges of documents. There's government registrations. So all sorts of things that happen. Whenever, whenever, whenever possible, don't close. Don't sell your current house and close on your purchase on the same day. If you can avoid it, we strongly recommend if you can qualify for bridge financing right. is to get that. Even if that. it's for one day. I exactly. Yeah. Because people don't understand that you have to sell before you could buy. Mm -hmm. They just think that, well, why? Like I'm, I'm in, I'm in the moving truck. Well, that's great. But the yep. people buying your house haven't given me money and I need that money to buy your new house. Right, right, they don't yeah. get it. Yeah. And, and that was, that was funny because I, when I first started in real estate, I guess, I guess bridge financing was really either challenging or yeah. really expensive because I remember having to get, okay, we've got this. I had to line up closing days on the same days. So people, and then we, I used to even lose deals because, oh, this buyer can't do that closing date so yeah. they're out mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden the good old bridge financing came about and it is it's gold it i don't is. know why anyone wouldn't take advantage of it yeah if you're selling them by you can slow move you can not only that lana how how do we love our sellers to leave their property in a nice cleanly manner for the new buyer 100%. because one of my favorite things of closing day is this is a complete not my favorite things by okay. the way sarcasm yeah sarcasm. I, I didn't get it i know exactly what pictures he's gonna say buyers send me when they move into their new yeah. house and saying look at this is here that's here and then it's like man all right yeah it's our job so i'm texting pictures to the other agent yeah. come on let's and at the end of the day lana the deal is closed mm -hmm. and it makes it very challenging for you or I to truly really do anything, depending on what yeah. it is. But yeah. the couch that's left behind, yeah. ew, what's going to happen? Guys, you're you're just going to move the couch out to the curb to and the curb. call the ju just, just junk, junk and stuff like <laughs> that. Well, and, and we end up holding the hat for a lot of that stuff too is because you feel terrible. It's like, you know what? I'll be over there in a half an hour and, and, it, and yeah. then we're hauling out at yeah. RCA microwave or whatever. I've been there for sure too. You'd be surprised though how many agents don't do that. So it, oh, it's, for sure. I, they I just wouldn't wash be surprised. their hands of it. It's like, yeah. oh, it's on the lawyer. And it's like, yeah, no, it's not on 100%. the lawyer. It's, it's, it's on the agent yeah. to assist in that process at that time. Yeah. So my number one thing is reach out to the listing agent right away. If yep. you represent the buyer and say, Hey guy, like well, this is that some agents are pretty cool. They are other agents are. Yeah. It's over, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get my commission and, I'm done. and whatever <laughs> happens, happens. That's just super short term. You know? Yeah. So that that is a big challenge. So sellers really work at preparing your property in a clean, nice manner. Room sweat manner, yes. Yeah. So when you transfer it, it's, it's easy for the next guy to move in. So big question for you. This is a big, big question um, in the sense of, so we've kind of talked about the process a little bit. But when buyers, and you mentioned already too, Pat, in regards to deposits, mm -hmm. okay, I really want to talk about this because I think there's a real misconception in the seller's eyes of what happens to the deposit if the buyer does not close the transaction on the specific closing date. So what we're kind of talking about here is it's a done deal, buyer put in an offer, conditions are all removed, uh, June 24th is when the buyer takes possession June 24th comes and the buyer does not show up to the closing table mm -hmm. with the funds. So this is happening a little more than I would like to see lately. All the time. Yeah. It's all the time. Welcome to our new age. Yeah. Um, so basically the seller's lawyer um, has to tender. Okay. So basically tendering is preserving your client's right to sue. And it depends on the type of breach. There could be an anticipatory breach, um, where, you know, you have a binding contract. They, they fail to, um, abide by contract and don't close on, on the closing date. Um, there's certain language that the lawyer has to use in a letter. You know, you have to have everything kind of already signed on your end keys are ready to be exchanged you've already provided everything to the other lawyer and you tender on closing um and then sort of it moves to litigation at that point if 
the clients want to proceed in that manner. And that would be dependent on how big that deposit is and how long ago that offer was entered into and what the market currently is and mm -hmm. how the real, real estate agent is like, maybe, maybe it was, you know, last June where prices decrease so drastically from, you know, March yeah. to, to that time where maybe you had such a high purchase price where now you know you're not going to get that purchase price. So prime example, there was a sale for 1.5 million. Buyer doesn't close mm -hmm. and it resold for 1.1 or 1.2 four or five months later when the market went from hey, we're way up here to oh oh we're way down here. Mm -hmm. And and so in that scenario, yes, that seller I would assume is going to go to litigation. Mm -hmm. So they're going to uh, uh, you're the lawyer. But tell me, <laughs> I'm so, not the litigation lawyer. So, but they're, they're not they're signing mutual sue. release. They're not going to sign mutual sure. release. They're going to hold sure. on to the deposit. They're not going to keep it, but they're not going to let it get released. No. They're going to sue for the difference, or it's, try to. Yeah, they they have an obligation to mitigate their damages. Right. The seller does, and, and then and then other costs and you know mortgage taxes, like all of those things. So it's but just a real mess. It is basically. a mess, and you know you got. I mean. You guys know how litigation works. Avoid it yes. at all costs. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. nobody wins. So that at that point, like you as a real estate lawyer, that gets handed over to the to the to the a different law practice. It, it would sense. if if that's the next stage. Then yes, way. I would yeah. refer that out to one of my partners. Yeah. Um, and you don't want that, regardless of what side of the table you're on. You want at all costs to avoid that. I mean, you should do everything possible. Yeah. Sometimes it's inevitable. Yep. You know, it is what it is, but you should do everything possible to try to, like I recently negotiated one where I convinced the other side to just forfeit the deposit, right? Mm -hmm. in, yep. in exchange for uh, us not, lives. in exchange for us providing you a mutual release. Yes. So, so just so everyone understands and more for sellers, mm -hmm. sellers think the deal doesn't right. close automatic transfer of the deposit to them. Nope. And that is not true. The deposit can only be transferred once a mutual release is signed by both buyer and seller mm -hmm. instructing where that deposit goes. Correct. And so you're correct. If our deposits are larger, you can use that as a tool to mitigate potential litigation because, hey, look it. Give us half or, you know, whatever you, you, it might be. You, you lost nothing. You were selling this. You're living up in your cottage. Hey, take 40 grand. We'll put the property back in the market. The market's even better and kind of go on your way. There's different things. It's that all we can market die. dependent but though, right? What Correct. I run to all the time and the questions asked me is, so Sean, if they don't close, I get the deposit. And that is, is a very huge misconception. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only way they can get the deposit if a mutual release is signed. And now, or this is if it's held. Order. I remember that from my arena. Court order. Now, but also, too, is it may not be in the seller's best interest to sign that mutual release to get the deposit because you're right. There may be a swing of $300,000 they lost due to the market yeah. falling apart. Correct. And at that point, it's like, guys, we're not signing that. And that deposit is still held in the brokerage trust account. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it's held there until the rest of the story. Can I add a story? Actually, a piece to that? Sure. So let's say the closing was supposed to be May 10th. Mm -hmm. We're holding $30,000 deposit. So it doesn't close. The, the seller has no intention of signing the mutual release. The buyer has no intention of closing. The seller can then put the house up for sale, even though they don't have a mutual release. Because this has always I don't been. want to comment on this. You don't one. have to. Okay. Because that's always <laughs> been a real. You have yeah. to comment, though, because I've run into this problem many <laughs> well, a time. And it really depends on the facts of how that breach occurred. And usually, you know, you speak to, to litigation at that point to kind of get their take on it as well, depending on what type of breach it was. And if it fits that sort of criteria that would allow you to then go ahead. Yeah, okay. Right? Because it, it's a very gray area. So yeah. Gotcha. So, so anytime my deals have not closed, I've been able to relist the next day. So <laughs> I guess I've hit the proper criteria. <laughs> have, you, have you done that or have you done that uh, with lawyer's direction? Uh, no, oh, no. I always wait for the lawyer. Okay, I don't know. Okay. No, no, no. I don't. I wait uh, And honestly, you'll probably get differing answers depending on who you talk to. Right. Because it's not black and white. It isn't black yeah. and white. No. And that's why I would never relist the property without talk because you can get yourself, your client in yeah. a precarious situation. Situation. Yeah. If say all of a sudden you list it 
you sell it again, and then the buyer comes back and says, oh, God, I've yeah. got the money now. Correct. Oh. Yeah, you need yeah. to be very, very careful and get it and reviewed. And sometimes we see realtors, and I'm sure you see all the time, that they want to be more than what they should be. And they want to. They they watch some legal shows and like, yeah, we know we can do this, right? And they're 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 out of their depth, and then they expose everybody involved to problems. Correct. And then you guys have to come in on your horses and <laughs> save the day. White horses. Can I ask? Can I have another? I, I got so many questions, but we only you have don't very have to ask limited me if you time. Can ask. Um, this is a huge one as well, and I find it's one where agents mess up a lot. HST. Bingo, bango, bongo, <laughs> HST. It's on my DJ. list of issues right issues, here. Perfect. Well, let's yeah. talk about it because I've come across these issues in the past myself. So let's help people understand what HST may be uh, applicable on, like commercial, farms, farm properties. So HST is probably single-handedly one of the most complex. Yeah, huge. And 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 I always defer to the accountant. And guess what? You call them, and they don't and always even 100%, know the answer. No, yeah. because it depends on the history right? of the property. Yes. Maybe it was severed. Maybe if it was farmland, it depends on the use. There's all sorts of things. So and much. by looking at a piece of paper, an agreement, yeah. we can't tell you whether no. or not you know it, that's a, that's a purely tax. Um, driven situation that should never be answered by mm. by a real estate agent. Nope, no. Even Reed. determining whether HST. You'd be shocked at how many questions I don't answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, that's but what they teach us yeah. in realtor school. Hey, listen, you why? need advice from an accountant. Why pretend? Call an accountant. But you, you know, need you'd advice be surprised from a lawyer. How many times people don't? It's like yeah. we get offers that say HST is included in when it. 100% should have been in addition to. Right. That is a big problem. It's can I be can just straight facts yeah mm -hmm. it's such a huge problem because i know agents who specifically put included in in the first place even though they know it's in addition to mm -hmm. because they want to test because if you get that offer accepted and included in yeah boom it's just to the seller's my, detriment yeah. it's to the seller's detriment and that agent's problem and so again agent you really got to understand the included in and addition to. But that, that goes back to people working on stuff that, like if somebody called me tomorrow to sell a, a, a whatever, a restaurant or something like that, I don't know how to do it. But right. you'd be surprised how many it's people like, hey, can you fly this helicopter do it? the business to just and, and then and then a lawyer gets an area oh, form yeah. for a restaurant sale yeah, and yeah. it's like well, the wrong form. Well, not even that. It, that's not how you sell restaurants. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> you like know, going is to it them. a share sale? Is it an asset sale? Like, yeah. it's not a leased business on an area form. And, yeah. And one of the big things is these days is it's really you know because we're doing a lot of land sales and HST is applicable on uh, unless I understand it's Tony buying it from Jim. Mm -hmm. That's a straight up personal to personal sale where HST could be a non-issue. Again, reach out to your accountant and confirm with that. But <laughs> but company to company, again, they have HST numbers so they can wash it. But I've seen it so many times where I just know agents yeah. who prey on the yeah, young new guy who mm -hmm. listed the property and they'll go in and they'll go in with a pretty sweet offer to the point where it's like, let me try this and slip this in. And if they accept this number because they're going to like the number, I just saved you. Yeah, that's terrible if, if, if the agent misses that because that's like the most remedial piece of it all, right? Yeah. And I, I think the other place that that it also stuff, attracts a lot of liability. Huge liability. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you, Airbnbs, Airbnbs yeah. got uh, their commercial properties. I, mm -hmm. I ran into a problem where an agent on my team missed it, you know, acknowledged mm -hmm. it after the fact. And or mixed use stuff, right? Exactly. As well, right? Or a portion you got a, of it might you got a attract. Shop, right? Oh, right? Certain a barbershop. So when you're talking about farmland, yeah. there's certain portions yeah. where it's like, okay, the acre with the house doesn't contain HST, but mm. the other 50 acres of the mm -hmm. workable land is so HST So would this go back to the old thing they tell you, like when in doubt, disclose. So when in doubt, find out, make sure you know what you're talking about, right? When, well, when in doubt with, with, before you list a property, thank you very you much. Should, do your due diligence. Do your due diligence before you yeah. list a property. 
when you're on the, obviously the listing side, but when yeah. you're on the buying side too, same thing. You should be having your clients reach out to their accountants yeah. to confirm, you know, what does this look like on, at the end of the day right. in terms of tax implications? Absolutely. Like, when I it, get called, I usually get called yeah. and I defer to the accountant because mm -hmm. I don't specialize in tax. I'm not yeah. going to go out and just give tax advice without knowing yeah. the history and the facts and the use and all of those things. Not even going to the doctors for, for your knee and then this guy over here is this and this lady over here is for that right mm -hmm. and 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 it, it's a weird part of our industry i think where people think hey i'm a licensed real realtor therefore i am gonna you know fly a helicopter drive a car and 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 drive a motorboat like mm -hmm. you should just do stay in the lane that you're good at and if you want to do other things cool but be good at it too right educate yourself like, like learn yeah. Learn. you're yeah. you're in you're in, especially for those just jumping in and thinking yeah i can do this well just learn do your due diligence. The most important thing, if you're selling a restaurant, look in, like, not just HST, there's so many other facets yeah. of selling like a you restaurant. Need to, like, you know, well, and, and, and even farm Even just houses, lands. you need to know about septic systems. You need to know general things about how a house operates. Absolutely. So, I, so I've got one more thing, and it's very generic. It's not big and huge like all your questions. <laughs> Buddy, I think there's going to be a part two because we didn't even get into estate sales Let's and probate. see all this ink on here? This is all of his estate other stuff. Estate sales. And then I had questions about people buying in trust. I'm more than happy to come back part for part two. two. So, so, so we'll, one other we'll one. If you, were to, if you were to have the the distinct honor of standing in front of all realtors. There we go. I love this. This is the oh final boy. question. This and, is the final and, question. And get one thing through to them or one piece of advice that they all walk out the door and say, hey, I like that. That's right. Let's do that. Right. What would that one thing be? How long do I have? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one thing. One? So, yeah, yeah. You know, what would be the hugest, the most important It can be simple. It can be big or whatever. Um, but but I'm sure there's something like there's something we see like in our business where like sellers often will make this one mistake or these two things that a lot of sellers do. And you think, no. Right. Or so with realtors, you must encounter like a, a sort of a consistency in like, why are they doing this? Or the same brokerage, they all do this Schedule B with all this gibberish on it that is irrelevant. <laughs> not singling it. No. Well, it's uh, irrelevant <laughs> to us. It's not irrelevant to the brokerage. Yeah. Right. So do you, is there anything you... Oh, off the top of my head, I'm going to say this one for my staff. Yeah. Um, it would be stop closing on June 30th or... Um, he called that. Fridays in general. Yeah. Before so a long weekend or in between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. What are the days that that are most of us are closed now? So what? So <laughs> you're you saying say respect lawyers' time? That's no, no I'm one respects saying, realtors' time. What no, but, I'm but saying June is June 30th is jammed up. It's not right? even June 30th. It is just a Friday before a long weekend. Yeah. So this coming Friday, Monday is a long right. weekend. Yeah. Let's say you did a buy sell and you didn't do bridge financing. If we don't close your sale until 4:49, mm -hmm. okay, your That's purchase cool. isn't happening, and now you're homeless because we've closed on your sale. You're homeless till Tuesday. Mm -hmm. With all your stuff on a moving truck. So I used to be the king of Friday closes. Yes. Because I thought I was doing my clients a solid, like, hey, close it on Friday. You guys are got the, Get the weekend, weekend off, off. You know, and this and that. Nice guy. The then worst I had a thing couple non-closes that got pushed to the Monday and actually worked out fine. Like, mm -hmm. But so I always do Wednesdays or Thursdays now. So Wednesdays and Thursdays. Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday yeah. are perfect unless yeah. it's the Thursday before the Easter weekend. I never liked Mondays because if there's something messy, if you go through a place on a on the weekend and there's some significant okay. issue you, you're coming into the business day of closing monday's the closing day, yeah right? there you go so the answer she answered it Tuesday, Wednesday, don't, Thursday. don't close on fridays yeah yeah that, that's beautiful mm -hmm. now quick just one other quick thing before we go always with the one how more thing. is your uh end of june yeah, looking how, for how closings is it this year is it oh. is it looking solid i remember talking little, to you is it a little lighter it's a little lighter I remember okay, talking fair to you. enough don't worry sean's a little lighter in the sales category too so <laughs> It's uh, things are moving and shaking a little bit right now. We're I can still tell. 20% below I can tell the the realtors who are working on weekends because I come oh, in on Mondays to yeah. some deals, but not obviously we're not yeah. where we were. I think you're gonna have a little bit of a busier summer this summer. Yeah, he yeah. thinks that on his own. I don't. <sighs> I do. I I feel. I think we're gonna take a step back this summer. Not me. I'm working. I'm not, <laughs> no, dude. There's a difference between me. Steady Patty and PB, me, the real up. estate industry. I'm saying, and the marketplace. I think the market in general is is going to have a very is going to have a solid like fifteen to twenty percent below normal through the summer. You watch the May data is going to show you. That's fine. I'm going to be working. 
It's I'm not going to be terrible. It, and great. this is just it. It, 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 it. Like if you're looking to buy, you're going to be able to find something. If you're looking to sell, you're going to be able to sell something. You just have to do both of those things intelligently. Yes. And then, and then you're going to be okay. I want to close on this one last thing. Sure. Yes. You Please. see Strong those closer. fancy little cell phones there on the desk? They all have calendars on them. Get out. Yeah. You know, you never, you'd be surprised how many offers I get there uh, on a Saturday or a yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Or like a holiday, like a main holiday. Like you can't yeah. close on July 1st. Why? Because Terraview's closed. I have drastically improved on that. I was the king <laughs> of amendments. And, and, and the thing was, this was when you didn't even have DocuSign. Yeah. So then it's like... Two weeks before the close. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Guess what? It's you have it as May 24th. That's the holiday Monday, Sean. Like, what are we doing? Are we yeah. oh sorry, we'll do it on the Tuesday? And then you gotta go see Bill and Nancy, drive out to see him. Change just your to mortgage get instructions. Yeah. yeah. So see, we have we have a lady at our office named Emma. Yes. And if you submit a deal to Emma with the wrong closing, you can count to like 17 and your phone's gonna ring and she's gonna say a few things to you about uh like there. But there so are a few days where banks are closed, but the rest of us are open. Yep. Like, or or like the Terraview Terranet, like they're they're closed like on November 11th, but that's right. not a sad holiday. Gotcha. Right for the rest of us. So there are certain days that you also have to avoid over and above the normal ones. Right. You know what I got to do? I just got to start selling a lot more houses again so I can actually so you can like, have this just problem? make mistakes and pick <laughs> trivial dates and be like, oh, well, at sorry. Least at least you're hitting balls in the outfield. I just five deals that weekend yeah, and I yeah. didn't know the dates. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Lana, we really appreciate this. Yeah. I think there's definitely a part two because there's so much more we can discuss. Like I had, what happens if the seller passes the way in a, in a firm mm-hmm. deal? Or what happens if you yeah. do a walkthrough and it's been like a three-month-long period since when the deal firmed up and there's water in the basement, all these wonderful things. But mm-hmm. we'll save that for another day. Yeah. We hit some really wonderful issues and we appreciate your time. It was fantastic. No problem. Really Thanks for Thank having you me. so much. This has been your Niagara Real Estate Podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you found us on. Have a friend looking for help? Remember, sharing is caring. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.